Welcome to the War in Ukraine Update from Kyiv podcast. I'm Jessica Ginawa, a lecturer in international relations at Flinders University in Australia, and I'm talking today with Denis Kazakiewicz. Denis is a data analyst and journalist who focuses in his work on Belarus and is located in Brussels. And in the podcast episode today, we're going to have a discussion about Belarus vis-a-vis the relationship with Russia and the war in Ukraine. So thanks for joining me on the podcast today, Dennis. Thank you very much for inviting me. Can you provide some background on the relationship between Belarus and Russia? And I'm thinking in particular of the time period post the breakdown of the Soviet Union. Could you provide context to how Belarusian-Russian relations have been during that time? So after the breakdown of the Soviet Union, Belarus enjoyed a few years of true democracy and uh, independence. But then, unfortunately, one of the most pro-Russian mainstream politicians in Belarus came to power. Alexander Lukashenko remains in power since, uh, unbelievably, 1994. For some reason, he is very pro-Russian in the sense that he is very ethnically pro-Russian. He loves Russian language and culture, and he hates Belarusian. I do believe he genuinely, genuinely hates Belarusian culture, Belarusian history and literature. So he's driving the country towards uh, closer and closer relationships to Russia over the course of uh, more than two and a half decades for now. With regard to his relationships with uh, Mr. Putin, it's very interesting it's a topic in itself. They are both the product of the USSR. One, it's a middle tire KGB colonel. And uh, another one, it's a middle um, manager of Soviet farm. So remarkably, they are both the product of the USSR. But remarkably, if USSR would stay, none of them would come to power to that height. Because uh, Putin is obviously like a middle ranking colonel without any chances, uh, as during the time of the USSR, he did not have any chances to promote. Uh, he had very stable position, uh, not non-dynamic one. And uh, Lukashenko had, his Soviet farm was not bright and uh, he was really stuck in his position. And actually the breakdown of the USSR brought them to power. And both guys, they are very different, but they are very similar in a sense. And the way I I see them is that each one of them has some sort of a mission. And for Putin, this mission, it's restoration of the USSR. That's why he wants to join closer with Belarus. And that's why he invaded Ukraine. So he wants to recreate something which does not exist anymore, USSR, essentially. The way I see mission of Lukashenko, it's to become a Tsar of Russia eventually at some time. That's why he's kind of has strange affinity to Russian and strange disliking of everything by Russian. And again, it's topic in itself, but talking about relationship, they are in, when you think, how do they perform with respect to the outer world? They are one team. So definitely they one team. And speaking of the most important part uh, right now, they perform uh, joint uh, military exercises since 2017, at least. And their exercises, they are specifically aimed at 
joint action in case of aggression against Ukraine, as we see right now, but also they very actively trained aggression against Poland. So that's what they do. Now, what they talk in the relationship, there is a hate-love relationship with ups and downs, with a lot of humiliations and disagreements. But eventually, I would say it's a union of dictators, both are very dangerous to the, the people and now to the outer world. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in the sentiment amongst the broader population in Belarus after the August 2020 presidential election where, of course, Lukashenko won, but not at all with an even playing field and not in a free and fair election. There was quite significant protest in Belarus that then was suppressed. I'm curious about the sentiment amongst the general population in Belarus. You know, does it seem to be closer to Russia or really more wanting Belarus to move further away from Russia? Is that kind of a key fault line when it comes to those sort of political tensions? Or is it more just about disliking Lukashenko himself and the fact that he's staying in power coercively? That's a very good question. And uh, I guess it will be rather complicated answer, but I will try to break it down the way I see it. And uh, it's kind of personal take. Let's start with the fact that Belarus, it's not a democracy. There is no the majority opinion. What holds Lukashenko in power physically? His security apparatus, army officers, security forces, police, and KGB which is, by the way, its name still holds the same name in Belarus. Those guys, the way I understand it, according to multiple sources, they are very pro-Russian. So the pillar of the regime, the security apparatus, they are pro-Russian. Now, the most, let's say, dynamic, let's say, urban, young part of the people of Belarus, those who took to the streets in 2020, mainly, as it seems to me, when they just started to take to the streets, they had nothing against Russia. It was more like pro-democracy protests. And even there were some, in my view, very naive statements, even from the Nobel Prize laureate Svetlana Alexievich, that the Putin should solve somehow the crisis in Belarus, which in retrospect, it's incredibly naive in my view. But there was such a sentiment in the beginning of the protest in 2020. And I'm talking again, I'm in the most dynamic like group of the people. Over the course of time, in a year or two, as people faced tortures, beating, arrests, by the way, now there are more than 4,000 political prisoners in Belarus, to some estimates. Over the course of time, so, and people saw that, why Lukashenko remains in power? Because Putin supports him. So they are, sentiment towards Russia started to become more cautious. I would say not fully negative yet, but more cautious. And then after Russia invited Ukraine, and especially when Bucha happened, and Mariupol and Lysium and everything, now, as it seems to me, they're most you know, dynamic parts of the society just really wants to distance as much as they can from Russia themselves. They want to distance themselves as much as they can from Russia. So I see a surge of in social networks like interest to Belarusian literature, to history in Belarusians, not in Russia. So again, one part of the society, Siloviki, so-called security forces, they are entirely pro-Russian and they 
stably pro-Russian. The most dynamic part of the population is increasingly European, pro-European, pro-EU, pro-Belarusian. And uh, there is, as it seems to me, the silent majority of the people, they were very friendly to Russia. Now they are in some kind of, after the war started, they are in some kind of uh, discontent, I would say. So not yet fully against, like, but really there are tensions, even, even in the most, you know, passive, politically not active uh, parts of the population. Mm-hmm. And I guess turning to Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine, there's been some speculation about whether or not Belarus would actually directly enter the war in Ukraine. We haven't seen that happen yet. Belarus has been used for certain military activities throughout. Were you surprised that Lukashenko didn't actually engage in direct entry into the war in Ukraine? It all boils down to one fact that people of Belarus don't want to die for Russian world. They don't have that imperial zeal. Like They don't want to expand. Uh, they don't feel that pain that Russians feel for some reason that empire must be restored. The way it works, their security apparatus, the top, the officers, they are pro-Russian. And uh, maybe you should mention why I keep repeating that they're pro-Russian, but just a bit of explanation mostly. The top leadership, uh, they physically went some schooling in Russia. So it's like the values, the background, the way, the stuff which we which they have been taught, it's all that mixture of pro-Russian doctrine. That, that's why, like, the security apparatus uh, it's, uh, and the top military, it's uh, for, for Russia. But the soldiers, the rank and file, the people who would do fighting in case it happened, they don't buy this story of the Russian world. It's like they have to protect something against NATO. So I imagine the way the calculus of, I would even say Putin. I don't think that Lukashenko is decision maker in that regard, final decision maker in that regard. The way it seems to me the calculus of Putin is that, okay, if I would bring, uh, let's say, six more battalion groups from Belarus to Ukraine, but what if, let's say, one of these battalion groups will turn back to Belarus to fight? What if there will be an uprising inside Belarus but many, you know, Siloviki will go at that time to Ukraine physically fight. So what, what would happen then? So why Belarus did not join the war in terms of the calculus or on the side of the dictatorship? The way I see it, it's that uh, the fact that they calculate the risks and they don't want to risk a major uprising or even back attack towards and in Belarus. Now, another question, why people don't want to die for Russian world. And for that, I'm biased, of course, but I think that's a great work was done by Belarusian independent media. So although Belarus is under strong influence by Russian propaganda, and although there are Russian TV channels all over the place, still people read internet, people read some media, which are in exile, but still they are aimed at Belarusian people. People can see true picture as in general, like population, they they do read and watch a lot of independent Belarusian media, and I think that that was one of the underappreciated factors in in the dynamics in between Ukraine, Belarus, and Russia. 
Mm-hmm. Has Russia's invasion of Ukraine had an impact on the way in which Belarusians are reflecting on their own relationship to to Russia or to Russian cultural language or their place in the region? Has it sort of shifted anything in perceptions or understandings of Belarus's relationship to Russia? So people of Belarus are very practical and the, the most popular sentiment right now in Belarus is just when this will end. So when this nightmare will end and like so there will be no risk of let's say some nuclear incident in the country close to Belarus. So the Belarusian guys won't go die for some imaginary you know, Russian world. So in my estimation that's the most popular sentiment in Belarus right now when this nightmare will end. And of course, when we talk about, let's say, more active uh, parts of the politically active, engaged parts of the people, they are in full support of uh, Ukraine. As the entire world, the people of Belarus are in full admiration of the bravery of Ukrainian people. And to remind you, there, there is a regiment, Kalinovsky regiment, it's called, it's the Belarusian fighters who fight with Ukrainians on the Ukrainian side against Russians. And uh, there are casualties, people are losing their lives, losing their limbs, uh, gets wounded. They receive some honors from uh, Ukrainian government, so they are good fighters. And people who not go fighting uh, in Ukraine, I mean, the Belarusian people who not go fighting to Ukraine, and they are politically active, the vast majority of them, they still, they are totally, like, at least in the media space, they are on the Ukrainian side, 100% with zero shred without people basically support Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And how much is the war felt in Belarus? There have been sanctions that have been imposed on Belarus, and also it's obviously in very close proximity. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there has been some extent of military activity taking place even within Belarusian territory. To what extent is the war kind of being felt in people's daily experience within the country? In the uh, regions adjacent to Ukraine, in the first months of the war, uh, where there was huge movements of the troops, of course, the war was very physical thing which could be seen and could be heard. There were huge movements of military in Ukraine. The outflux of wounded Russians uh, and corpses were going out of Ukraine. So those near-border regions, they are very much aware of what's happening and afraid what might happen next. But talking about the, let's say, general more, let's say, central of other regions. My understanding, people set aside the worries of what they see on in the media. The day-to-day life, it's not uh, affected that much. By the way, sanctions, if you think Russia, what people in Russia feel like the most, they feel sanctions. In Belarus, it's less of the problem for day-to-day life because like, it's not well-known fact, but many brands who, with a lot of noise left Russia, they are still in Belarus. So there are even uh, shop tours uh, from Russia to Belarus. And economically, it's not yet felt the way it should, in my view, but eventually sanctions will kick in and people will feel the pain of the fact that the government are involved in criminal activity on the major and imaginable scales. So we've also seen actually just today, Monday the 10th of October, we're recording this, that there's a joint statement from Putin and Lukashenko. 
where they declared the creation of some kind of new joint fighting force. What are the implications of that? Like, is that a significant development in terms of the cooperation between Belarus and Russia when it comes to the war in Ukraine? It's a continuation on the point which we discussed uh, a bit uh, before that people of uh, Belarus don't want to fight, don't want to die for Russian war, but it is a dynamic process. So there is a lot of information that the soldiers in the military, they under constant propaganda influence and it's ongoing for seven months already so they fire disloyal officers so the work is ongoing they arrest activists so that's it's all ongoing and uh, still as of today Lukashenko is not ready to just to send his troops so what we what we're witnessing today this moment he gave one more piece of sovereignty of independence of Belarus to Russia under Russian control because what does joint group mean? Joint Russian-Belarusian group, what does it actually mean? It means that there will be some Russian and Belarusian soldiers intermingled, some units under Russian command, of course. Like no one, no one would think seriously that the Belarusian would command something joint Russian and Belarusian. So it would be something under Russian command. And the way how they declared with unclarity of the size, of the location, they don't even give a deadline when, but we don't have underappreciate them either. So they they continue their work on, by they I mean Putin and Lukashenko, they continue their work on how they can actually drug, you know, people of uh, Belarus into the war who don't want to fight. And their latest finding was to create this joint group where, let's say, Belarusian soldiers would be under direct, you know, influence from the Russian counterpart. And uh, we will see how it works out. Mm -hmm. Finally, looking towards the future, and the response to this question will obviously depend somewhat on what happens in the war, which is still very uncertain. We are seeing some, you know, military successes for Ukraine in recent weeks, but we've obviously seen also some pretty strong retaliation from Russia today in terms of missiles falling on Ukraine, not not in terms of actual battlefield successes. Do you think that Lukashenko's position in Belarus is stronger as a result of, you know, his support for Putin in the full-scale invasion of Ukraine? Or do you think that that's actually weakened his own domestic control within Belarus? So by its nature, the war has its own logic. There is an unpredictable thing. So it's easy to start a war, but it's not easy to end the war. So for example, if you take Mr. Putin, I doubt he thought that he would have to make a mobilization with taking hundreds of uh, Russians from their homes uh, and to bring them to the front lines. So in that sense, of course, the war makes Lukashenko less secure. So we don't know what will happen to him and he doesn't know himself. But there is one possibility which is very, very real and which is worries me a lot uh, is the peace deal between Ukraine and Russia. So there's some sort of the peace deal which, uh, for example, Elon Musk pushes. So there should be some sort of agreement, uh, like somewhere in between, let's say Russia keeps some parts of Ukrainian territory, and this is it, and Russia goes home. And for Belarus, that would be the worst case scenario. And for Lukashenko, it would be the best case scenario. So if that would happen, 
the most likely scenario would be that Putin and Lukashenko remain on one side of the Iron Curtain and the remaining parts of the Ukraine goes to another side of the Iron Curtain. And that would be, in my view, should that happen, it would be very, very unfair to all those thousands of people in Bel- of Belarus who went through tortures, imprisonment, uh, even in some cases, uh, some people paid the highest price for striving uh, for freedom. So this possibility of the deal between Ukraine and Russia at some point, I see it as very real, but it is, again, the most dangerous uh, for Belarus. But of course, there are many other possibilities. So for Lukashenko, now he's uh, working very fine line with his life on the balance. Can he make one step right or left wrong? He can lose his life easily. Lukashenko should afraid uh, his own entourage because if he will not be pro-Putin enough, someone else might surface and tell to Putin, yet I'm more, like, let's say, pro-you, pro-Putin than Lukashenko. And that might end uh, life uh, of Lukashenko. Should he, let's say, uh, stick to Putin too much and actually invade with full forces, with ground troops from Belarus into Ukraine, then if there will be a flow of bodies from Ukraine to Belarus, that would, that might end the rule of Lukashenko very soon. Should Putin attack in some sort of nuclear in way Ukraine, and it's not inconceivable that the West should respond somehow, which might, let's say, involve you know Belarus. So that would also put Lukashenko in major risks. So. In some, the situation is very unpredictable, very dynamic. And again, the biggest worry for Belarus would be erroneous, quote-unquote, peace deal between Ukraine and Russia. Mm -hmm. Because that would consolidate that divide with Belarus and Russia on one side. Thank you so much, Dennis. I really appreciate you being on the podcast today. I found it a really interesting conversation. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening and thanks to Mr. Smith for our theme music.